0: You like things just so. So do we. The Bank of Clark is the bank for that. We all have an inner perfectionist who deserves things done their way. Maybe you like to bank in person. Maybe you prefer to bank online. We get it. From banking to lending to wealth management, we're all about getting things done just the way you like them. We're the bank for that. Find out what banking designed for you is all about. Visit your local Bank of Clark branch today or go to bankofclark.bank. We're the bank for that. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lenders. today's episode I'm joined by Jason Jackson. This episode is one that's going to be really close to my heart because we're going to be talking all things the responsibility of a fitness professional or a personal trainer when it comes to coaching female clients. Jason has a master's degree in sports and exercise nutrition. He's studying his PhD in behavioral change and he's one of the education coordinators at First Base which is a fantastic chain of gyms um, which has really done a good job of raising the standard in the fitness industry when it comes to education and personal training. Thank you very much for being here today
1: my pleasure thanks thanks for
0: inviting me on yeah and i appreciate your time this is a really important episode um i myself self-admittedly made a lot of mistakes when it came to coaching obviously all clients in my in my early days and um, in particular female clients kind of not really understanding those key differences on mindset and, and physiology um, and you were obviously in a really fantastic position with all your coaching experience worked with a lot of a lot of clients yourself work, a lot, a, work alongside a lot of amazing coaches so yeah we're going to chat about kind of all things that, that personal trainers need to know when it comes to working with female clients so where would you say we need to start with that? If you're a personal trainer or fitness professional listening and you're working with, with female clients, why do we need to potentially pay a little bit of extra attention to the fact that females are, are different to our male clients?
1: Yeah, good question. I think, I think that kind of answers it. Or if you, are, you, you have answered it that um, you know, coming from a, <clears throat> an academic background or perspective, we need to firstly appreciate that females aren't just smaller versions of men. And I think that's a kind of an, an, an easy mistake we can make as an industry. Um, you know, the physiology is different, you uh, know body composition is different. And, you know, quite obviously, uh, you know, the hormonal prof- profiles are different. Um, so that's the kind of the first step I think we need to kind of make. We need to kind of treat people on a kind of case by case, or sorry, gender by gender, uh, difference right uh, appreciate that um and you know like we were kind of discussing earlier um <clears throat> some of that process will involve um you know sensitive mature uh, conversations you know around uh, you know menstrual cycles um you know and certain uh you know female specific conditions that you know i think we need to kind of um you know bring to the fore and you know even something relatively simple or what seemingly obvious like weight loss um, you know which uh, You know is a goal for for, for many many female clients many clients in general Um, But even that isn't isn't straightforward, right? It's not linear and something as simple as uh, You know tracking weight loss should be done on a kind of cyclical basis So every kind of four four weeks or whatever so you're comparing week Five to week one rather than week two to week one, you know that kind of thing so I think it's you know Um, you know a readjustment in how we treat clients based on their you know their their kind of genders and some of the issues that they may face
0: yeah brilliant I mean there's loads to circle back around to there in particular the the menstrual cycle that's so important for a personal trainer to understand and they're obviously coaching clients and tracking their progress but let's take a little bit back just to, to your story Jason I mean tell the viewers kind of how you got into coaching and at what point did you maybe start to realize okay females are a little bit different there's some there's some other stuff going on here
1: uh, at what point? So I've been a personal trainer for 15 years. Um, most of that time was spent uh, at Virgin Active, so I was the the icon trainer there. So you know that, that wasn't uh, uh, my title, grandiosis it is. Um, but you know I was the top trainer at Virgin, PT of the Year, etc. Um, I did a couple of years in a um, PT studio not far from here, really close from here actually. <laughs> Um, you know, during that time, I was kind of doing my masters, finishing my masters. My thesis was on testosterone, um, so you know, quite a, you know, the yin yang to, to what we're talking about today. Um, and then, um, you know, in, in all honesty, um, I kind of felt the kind of new direction of Virgin didn't really align with my, um, you know, values. Um, and my kind of um, <clears throat> you know expectations on myself and on the industry and you know I was having conversations with a man called Josh Silverman that I'd worked with well kind of uh, you know been on panels with um, and for, for, for a few years so I knew this guy and you know I really kind of was excited about what they were doing at yeah. third space um, and you know it seemed like a great fit you know I love the vision um, I love the kind of the, the the kind of continuous drive for you know to, to develop and to become better um, so About a year ago um, I came over to third space, you know again not too far from here. So in the city the financial district of London um, to continue my PT business um, but also to uh, Contribute towards the educational offering at third space. So my role is uh, you know, I kind of deliver the, the nutrition module, um, and then also kind of PT five, which is kind of the final one before a personal trainer at Third Space becomes uh, an elite personal trainer, uh, and that's all kind of behavioural change and coaching. Um, so you know, I kind of run those two based around those topics, but you know, also we have the kind of the flexibility and the autonomy to kind of deliver. Um, you know, in, in club education around, you know, whatever kind of topics we kind of see fit. And that's, you know, that's a cool, cool thing. You know, it's not so cool. Um And, you know, it soon became apparent that, um, and, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, also need to needed to kind of improve in this area. But it became apparent that as an industry, I think female clients, females are poorly catered to. Um, and... Um, you know, my role as education coordinating, and I'm, I'm certainly not making any claims at being, um, you know, a specialist in this area. But um, you know, being critical and reflective of the industry, um, you know, I wanted to kind of bring bring this subject to the fore, you know, and you know, bring the re- relevant specialist, you know, give them a platform to talk to our coaches and you know, to upskill and you know, to be part of that journey. So, you know, I'm more of a kind of facilitator um rather than you know the kind of the brains behind it but um you know endocrinology is is a subject close to my heart you know i studied testosterone and you know that is a you know a hormone that has such a, a profound influence on a you know male physiology and psychology um, you know, it's not a leap for me to make that. You know, women are also kind of affected by you know these various kind of hormones, testosterone being one of them, certainly. But you know, oestrogen, progesterone, etc. Um, you know, that influence their physiology and psychology. And you know, I think we're we're as an industry, you know, our kind of base level of understanding, uh, you know, on the gym is is poor in that area. So. Um, you know, it, it's fantastic to talk to you, and you know, there's a couple of other people I mentioned who you know you really should kind of get in here and you know, kind of do a deep dive in their kind of relevant specialisms um, to kind of help uh, you know, m- you know, move the needle forward, right? Um, and you know, my, my thesis, and you know, not that this is the subject. Uh, But, you know, the the kind of working title is, you know, is the personal training industry fit for purpose? And I'm arguing that, you know, no, it's not in its current form. And that kind of revolves primarily around kind of weight loss and the kind of interventions and strategies we use, but also around, you know, female health, you know. Um, So I think we, we, we all need to do better and that's cool, but we need to be, you know, moving in that right direction.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm excited to get into all of that with you. But the reason that I absolutely love that we're having this conversation and you're sitting there saying, you know, I'm not a specialist in necessarily female physiology and why I love that. I think that's actually great is because obviously knowledge is fantastic. There's a lot of brilliant academics that don't necessarily have that real world application of actually going, okay, how can I get a client to ultimately adhere to behavioural change, which is obviously incredibly important there's no point in having all of that knowledge if you can't actually use it to give the clients any kind of meaningful results right so actually someone like yourself that sits in that area where you specialize in behavioral change and you can work alongside people that are female physiologists specialists to actually get clients to adhere to that information you know that that in itself is obviously a really really important role yeah
1: yeah i mean i think uh you know if i kind of look at some of us you know how that does cross over um you know we were talking about um uh you know the need to have um um you know sensitive mature conversations with our female clients you know so we have more awareness around you know their cycle and how that may or may not affect them to varying degrees um you know that alone i think require will require some kind of shift in um you know how how a trainer you know approaches their kind of interactions with 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 their clients right so i think you know all of us uh you know, may need to kind of look at how we, you know, how we interact with our clients. Um, and, you know, if they're, uh, you know, I'm just kind of th- thinking of an example, um, you know, one of two of my clients now, are, you know, kind of different age points, um, you know, have, um, uh, you know, female health complications, um, and they should be confident that they can talk to me about these things, and you know, I'm not going to stray outside my my lane and you know talk about things I you know I, I don't know about. You know, every, every every recommendation I give is kind of evidence-based, and you know, given sufficient time, you know, I can kind of research into it. But you know, these my clients should feel confident that they can talk to me about these kind of things, and that you know, I will do what I can, uh, you know, within my remit to kind of support um, support them, you know, from a health perspective.
0: Yeah, I'd say that that's one of the the key reasons why as personal trainers we need to understand the basics of female physiology in these different various conditions that our clients might, might experience is, is the specifics aside of potentially what you might have them do or what you might not have them do, it's just to be able to have that communication and empathy and create that safe space, right? So if you are a, a coach listening, male or female, and you don't feel like, oh, I don't know a massive amount about these different conditions or um, I feel a bit uncomfortable having these conversations, you know, where would you start with that? What would you say to that coach? What would you recommend they, they go away and work on? Um, yeah,
1: I mean... The way you've kind of phrased that question, um, you know, would if if a coach was kind of you know lack the competence around kind of uh, you know female health etc. Where would they start? I mean, for you and I, you and I wouldn't will never understand what it's like to you know have menstrual cramps mm-hmm. or you know I mean obviously I'm stating the the obvious here, but you know I will never. You know, understand on a visceral level what that's what that's like, and I think to start with, just for us to kind of appreciate that we will, we we won't, and um, you know, <clears throat> it's about I suppose having, uh, you know, empathy with it with our clients, um, and it's it's about kind of having a, having a conversation, being able to kind of open the doors to have that conversation that you know our clients uh, can tell us when you know they're not feeling a hundred percent. You know, uh, you know, on a kind of cyclical basis, some women more than others are, are are affected by that. You know, not all. Some women will just kind of coast through each month, and you know, they're not particularly affected by that. Other women are, you know, strength levels go down. You know, proprioception, coordination is impacted. Uh, you know, even their kind of like sociability. Uh, changes around their cycle. So, they, you know, females are very different from men in that regard. You know, they, they do kind of, um, you know, behavior, physiology changes on a kind of cyclical basis. And I suppose it's just, I suppose the start starting point would be to understand that as a man, that, you know, we're are we relatively um, even, for want of a better word. Um, and, um, yeah, I think the first first point really for for, for Um, you know, trainer coming new new to this kind of subject is, you know, to kind of have the door open so, you know, they can have that kind of honest conversation. Because I think and, you know, some coaches may disagree, but, you know, as as personal trainers, you know, it is more than just prescribing exercise. It is more than just, you know, standing next to someone, counting reps. Um, you know, programming exercises, you know, it, it's it's more than that. Hence why I'm kind of doing a, uh, you know, PhD in behaviour change. You know, there's kind of, you know, that, that's the stuff that goes on in the gym in that kind of hour window. But, you know, depending on the goal, that's a, you know, tiny uh, part of the picture. You know, if you're looking at kind of someone, you, know, talk, you were talking about it earlier, you know, the sleep of an individual. i sure Phil was talking about, you know, caffeine management. Uh, you know, alcohol intake, um, you know, stress management, probably affects men more than women, I would say. Um, but, you know, all these various things that as a kind of, as a coach, a performance coach, um, you know, we should, where we are where relevant or where we can have a positive impact in that. You know, one of the things I kind of, um, you know, a kind of mantra of mine, if you will, is um, that through training and exercise, um, you know, I want to have a positive influence on uh, you know clients in, in every aspect of their life, right? You know, not only how they look, you know, weight management, etc., and how they kind of perform physically, but you know, also cognitively, and then also you know how they feel, you know, their well well-being, and you know, there's there's a host of things we can do as coaches to kind of improve all those areas in a client's in a client's life, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that in itself is is obviously incredibly important, and I think that if you um, said that to me eight years ago it might have seemed a little bit overwhelming so I guess my first question back to you is if I'm trying to think okay if I'm a coach eight years ago and I, I don't massively understand how hormones and the menstrual cycle can potentially have some fluctuations to how my clients feel their sleep their performance I guess my first question back would be how do we go about kind of even loosely track that correlate that what kind of what kind of data points can we look at to help understand where that client's at, and then make changes based on those in their PT sessions and their their coaching journey? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I suppose it, it, this isn't applicable to
1: every female client that you'd be working with. You know, some women are um, you know uh, more severely affected on a cyclical basis than others, right? So I, I guess you would need to start by. Um, you know, establishing, you know, how badly a woman is affected or how, how much a woman is affected. Um, you know, there are um, <clears throat> uh, tracking apps, period tracking apps um, for women to use rather than the coach. But I think, you know, for a coach to be kind of aware within within the kind of training block, um, uh, you know, where a woman's cycle is, that would obviously be useful. And, um, you know, there, there may be adjustments you'd make to the you know the training protocol um, you know uh you know you maybe you want to kind of time a deload week around that kind of cycle you know when fit women aren't feeling particularly strong um, you know dial back on the volume or the intensity that kind of thing um, i mean if you this will sound quite obvious if you know even if you're kind of not aware of it but um you know during the menstrual cycle Um, or when a woman is menstruating um, you know calorie requirements you know go up by about two three hundred calories right I'm sure someone can give me the exact figure but you know calorie requirements go up right so what was um, a week before you know um, baseline calories or you know a modest deficit you know now suddenly becomes you know quite a large deficit which will in turn explain why women crave uh, you know certain foods around certain points of their cycle um, you know, sweet, etc., salty foods, i.e., calorie dense foods. And, you know, it's not only do we need to kind of, I suppose, be more kind of forgiving around, maybe that's not the right word, but, uh, you know, make allowances around, um, uh, you know, dietary adjustments. Um, but, you know, there's a logical reason for that. So even things like, um, you know, cycling calories makes sense yeah. for training women in a, in a way that it doesn't make sense for men or it doesn't it's, it's, it's not applicable to men in that same regard you know it's not just are oh, we going to give a a calorie uh, sorry um you know diet break uh, you know a low to use the word cheat meal um but it's you know it's not it's not that kind of thing at all it's more about you know the, the, the simply the um yeah. you know, the metabolism or the calorie requirements will will fluctuate during the cycle and that should be reflected in our nutrition programming.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's really important to understand because I think one thing we were speaking about before we started the episode was obviously our language and how we talk to clients, which, you know, considering you're doing your PhD in behavioural change, is something I'm, I'm sure you're going to be able to give some fantastic advice on. And it's also we're touching on how when you come from the bodybuilding world, it's just probably kind of work harder, use your, use your willpower, use your discipline, so, if you're a male coach and you don't understand that the menstrual cycle affects those things, as you've you know already said, we're definitely not going to be able to to you know understand it in terms of we don't go through it. But if we also don't know that these hormo- hormonal fluctuations can change things like metabolism, hunger, and cravings, then that's just asking for a relationship for quite a lot of friction, isn't it? If you don't know that your client's going through that. Yeah,
1: yeah, and um, I, I think maybe I think maybe it's not um, it's not. Uh, necessarily going to be fraught with friction and i think female clients probably you know have a low expectation maybe have a low expectation of their male client of their male trainers to to understand or to sympathize or to empathize um, you know to to show any kind of interest or be willing to kind of talk about that and i just think um you know that's a kind of a, perhaps a low expectation i'm not really basing this on anything but um a low expectation but i think we can we can do more we can be better um, so it's kind of letting our clients know you know, I mean it, you, we, we have a responsibility to kind of upskill if we're going to train women right uh, And that's you know that responsibility is on the trainer, but uh, you yeah, know that's, that's a kind of a, perhaps a knowledge deficit. I think from a kind of behavioral perspective um, you know like I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> we need to kind of let let our clients know that you know we' as part of our our care um, and uh, management and support, you know, we can we need to include that in the conversation.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a really nice segue to kind of talking about some other fluctuations in the menstrual cycle, which are really important to understand as a coach. Just so you're, yeah, you you know what's going on. So one thing you mentioned earlier is obviously scale weight. Um, so elaborate on that a little bit, if that's okay, Jason. What kind of happens to scale weight across the cycle?
1: Yeah. Again, so you know this is something that um, perhaps isn't obvious. <clears throat> and in fairness, it, you know, I, um, I, I for much of my career. I, you know, was kind of oblivious to this, but I'm training you, and uh, you know, our goal is weight loss, um, and we've, you know, projected our targets, and you know, we have a set time, and you know, we're 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 measuring it on a weekly basis. You know, the expectation, to some degree, I mean, obviously it's not kind of literal, but you know, there'd be kind of like a linear descent, or roughly linear descent. <clears throat> With women, some women's weight fluctuates um, quite profoundly throughout the course of their cycle. So to kind of avoid kind of disappointment and to kind of measure it more, well I suppose more more importantly, to measure it more accurately, um, we should measure, we should compare um, weight weight points at um, the same point on the menstrual cycle. So it might be, you know, we, we compare week one, to week five of the intervention, week two to week six, et cetera. So we're kind of measuring at this at this same point in the previous previous cycle. And that's kind of how you kind of measure uh, a more kind of accurate picture of a
0: female's weight loss over time. And then from like the more the behavioural change mindset side of things, like why why is that important that we get that right as a coach for a, for a female client in particular to maybe not like get them disheartened about their lack of progress? Or where does that kind of fit into the yeah the, the client's kind of mindset and identity shift around okay i am making progress i can achieve these goals
1: well yeah i mean that, that's that's exactly it you know part of our part of our role is um you know to to empower our clients um, you know to instill confidence in them and you know that's almost undoubtedly you know one of our clients goals and again different subject but you know No one, no one wants to be a certain weight or um, a certain dress size. Um, It's what that weight or that dress size means to them, right? And you know, they they may feel more confident, they may feel more kind of sexy, more empowered. Um, And you know, that's what we're trying to kind of build up and provide for our clients. So you know, the last thing we want to do is you know leave them kind of disheartened and disappointed. Um, you know, for, for many of our clients, you know, we need to. It's it's a challenge to get them to believe that they can achieve. You know, what they what it is that that, that they're after, and some of that will take kind of work. So, you know, looking at kind of training, a, you know, just a general client, um, male or female. You know, part of that process is kind of setting. You know, you know, breaking down the larger goal into smaller, uh, you know, achievable micro goals. Um, You know, to kind of build that sense of, you know, confidence and, um, um,
0: you know, agency around that. I'd love to know a little bit more about how you do that, actually, because I think goal setting is something that personal trainers maybe take for granted sometimes, where it's like the longer you get in your PT career, the more you get kind of like... uh, interested in like these sexy new things you're learning and sometimes you forget to like really install the basics in clients maybe that's not something you've seen in in the pts around you but that's something i know i had a little phase of going through that and i see that in a lot of pts that i'm friends with so obviously goal setting is just one-on-one, right? that's where we need to start with a with, with a client because that's obviously so key. That's what they're here for with us. And um, so talk me through a little bit around your goal setting process, if that's okay, Jason. And I'd love to just know that for myself. And is there anything around that goal setting process that maybe differentiates um, when you work with a female client? Um, uh, yeah, so the, 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 the one
1: that does differentiate between female clients is um, you know, perhaps introducing a more appropriate goals to to an individual, right? Relevant goals to an individual. Um, and one of the kind of one of my um, you know favorite ones is um, the waist to hip ratio as uh, as a goal as an alternative to um, you know scale weight, um, you know body fat percentage if you have the means to kind of measure that. But I think waist to hip ratio will probably kind of um, be further up the hierarchy in terms of kind of goals that I would kind of direct someone's attention to as a kind of metric for, for success, you know, in terms of aesthetics. Um, and what I like about the waist to hip ratio is it's, you know, scalable by definition, right? So if a, if a woman is, um, you know, taller or has broader hips, um, then, um, you know, that, that, that kind of number just kind of scales, scales up accordingly. And the important thing about the waist to hip ratio um, that um, if I kind of go re- refer back to a kind of a uh, you know quite an intriguing study that kind of looked at um Playboy Playmates and Miss America pageant win- winners, um, stick with me, um, and their waist to hit ratio was between 0.68 and 0.72. And this measurement stayed consistent and stable, um, you know, over decades of tracking, um, where you know a lot of other kind of factors. Uh, you know subjective uh, factors of female beauty you know change with the trends um, you know levels of athleticism you know body weight in general you know bus size etc you know these kind of uh, attributes quote-unquote um, you know change but the waist-to-hip ratio remained consistent you know as a narrow measurement throughout throughout time right and when you look at another study there was another study done on a Dutch fertility clinic it showed that when women had a waist, when their, Waist to hit ratio dropped from 0.8 to 0.7, so they got a narrower waist. Their levels of conception increased by 25%. So, basically, what these uh, obviously predominantly male um, judges are measuring when they're, you know, uh, know, subconsciously when they're kind of um, looking for, uh, you know, when they're judging these competitions is fertile women. Right, this waist to hit ratio is probably the best indicator of fertility. Now, <clears throat> I'm not saying all your clients or all your listeners, you know, um, want to become pregnant or uh, you know, fertility is even a, 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 a important to them. However, being fertile is a measurement of health, right, which is important. Whereas, if someone wants to, you know, get to 50 kg or you know, 15% body fat. That may not necessarily be synonymous with health, right? It might go too far the other direction, and you know, women, uh, you know, uh, no longer menstruate, etc. So, if a woman um, is aspiring to a you know a healthy uh, waist-to-hip ratio, you know, that's a good metric that I can, um, you know, ethically, you know, get behind. Does that kind of makes yeah. sense. Right. That's really interesting. So you know, from, that. A, from a kind of goal setting perspective, um, I think firstly, you know, it's scalable. So it's kind of it, it's relevant to the individual, whereas, you know, body weight or you know, dress sizes or, or whatever, you know, may not be, you know, may not be their kind of their kind of natural range. Um, so firstly, it's, um, you know, scalable to the individual. And then also it's kind of, you know, synonymous, it's intertwined with the health of an individual.
0: Well, yeah, I actually didn't know that, so that that's really interesting. That's a marker I should all start. Using yeah, 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 like yeah. No, so. you definitely
1: should. I, you know, I'll ping over those studies. You, you know, you can kind of share those with your uh, with your listeners. Um, uh, yeah, um, uh, and then I suppose the other and I suppose more more kind of generally, you know, it's about kind of breaking down uh, goals um, into you know micro goals, so they're kind of much more manageable, much more achievable. Um, you know, importantly. Um, you know effort needs to be kind of mobilized immediately in order to kind of you know achieve the goal next week next month rather than this kind of like overwhelming huge goal where you know we kind of put off like me writing my phd um so um yeah you know break break goals down into kind of smaller ones and again you know there's this kind of fascinating study that it was also it was done on women actually um so relevant to your audience that um had two 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 groups group 1 was just asked to kind of move more you know be more active uh, and group 2 was given a specific step target the individuals the women who had a specific step target walked 23% more than those just asked to kind of generally move more so you know let's be kind of specific relevant you know timely with our, our goal setting
0: yeah fantastic just going back to the, the waste-to-hit ratio, that's okay, mm-hmm. just because I'd, yeah, I'd love to like um, just fully flush that out so anyone that's listening goes, wow, like, like me, you've learned something there, I want to implement that with my clients. I guess I've got two questions. One, any, any practical tips or mistakes people make when actually taking that measurement that we should look out for or avoid? Um, and two, have you ever had any pushback when you've asked a client if you can take that measurement and they've gone, no, if so, how would you maybe navigate that conversation?
1: Uh, okay, yeah, I mean, I think it might be worth um, just kind of explaining, you know, how to, how, what it is, how to take it, um, you know, for uh, coaches or, you know, clients, gym goers. Um, so the waist measurement, so a waist to hip ratio is uh, a fraction of decimal um, with the waist measurement, which is generally going to be broader. So say that's 100 centimetres for the sake of argument. And then the waist uh, measurement is 70 centimetres. Sorry. Yeah. The hip measurement is the broader one, 100, and then the waist one. Uh, is 70 that would give you a, 0 point, uh, a 0.7 waist to hip ratio <clears throat> so the, the the hip measurement is taken at the widest point around the glute when viewed from the side the waist measurement is taken at the narrowest point around the, the waist when viewed from the front right so that's kind of how you take that measurement um uh you know no, I've, I've kind of never had pushback i suppose it's you know the skill of being able to read people, you know, I don't I don't ask everyone whether, to, whether I'm going to do it. Um, and, you know, for some individuals, you know, who's, who's kind of their goal is kind of weight loss or whatever, you know, I'm, I might raise that and, um, you know, they're, they're up for it. But no, I haven't really had any kind of pushback on it. I mean, I suppose it's, it's um, you know, like anything, um, you know, skin folds, circumference measurements, uh, even weight. I've had um, some individuals don't want to kind of measure their weight. So I'm just trying to do this.
0: Yeah, no worries mate, do that first. It is ridiculously hot in here. The sun's back out though.
1: Yeah, it poured down earlier. Uh, yeah, some, some individuals, um, yeah, and I, I guess it's, it's, it's uh, you know, <clears throat> reading an individual to see, you know, see see what's, yeah. you know, relevant for them, you know, like, like palpating or touch cueing, you just can you, know, you can know I suppose
0: yeah I guess obviously one thing you'll be great at is just building a really good rapport with the with the clients as well so you're going to be able to know where your relationship stands with them and
1: yeah yeah so so I, I I'm 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 saying that if if a coach wants to improve to become a better coach uh, you know they they need to kind of um, step up their communication and, you know, it may seem daunting, you know, having those kind of conversations with their clients, you know, around their menstrual cycle. But if you can have a conversation with your client around their, you know, menstrual cycle around female specific health, you should during that process be able to read whether you're going to get a tape measure out and measure their waist. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's part of that, I suppose, more more intimate um, relationship relationship with
0: your client. Let's get into the behavioural change side of it a little bit that's Okay, Jason, I appreciate here that this might not necessarily be female-specific, um, but maybe there are some ways that you approach things a little bit differently with female clients or, or maybe not. But yeah, I mean, just kind of give me your, your overview on, on what you kind of deem to be behavioural change in, in the fitness industry and like, what can we do as personal trainers to do a better job of helping to facilitate that with clients? Because ultimately, all the knowledge doesn't really give us much you know, benefit if we can't apply it as coaches and actually help our clients get, get change.
1: Uh, okay, yeah, so I think why, why I think behaviour change is uh, important is because for, the, for, the, for a large part um, it's not a knowledge deficit that is the issue of either the coach or the, the client, right? I think for a large part, you know, with <clears throat> you know, all the, the abundance of information there is out there, some of it good, some of it inaccurate, etc., um you know clients know what they should be eating right um uh you know mcdonald's and glasses of wine and you know frappuccinos with cream and uh, marshmallows and you know chocolate sprinkles you don't need someone with a you know masters in sport nutrition to tell you you shouldn't be eating that right so people know i think uh you know clients clients know what they should be eating um, it's actually getting people to you know to, to change their behaviors and it's putting those um, um, that kind of framework to su- kind of support and facilitate that. So my kind of approach to behavior change, I use the um, um, capability opportunity and motivation framework. <clears throat> so any given individual regardless of gender, regardless of goal, you know I will kind of um, filter their goal. Through that framework, so look at the capability of an individual, whether it's their physical capability. You know, can they do it? Are they injured? Um, You know, do they have the skill, uh, the dexterity to perform? You know, what I'm asking them to perform, the behaviour. Do they have the kind of the psychological capabilities around that? You know, are they able to self-regulate, etc. So that's capability. Then I look at the the, um, opportunities. Whether that's the physical opportunities, the resources they have available to them or the kind of the social opportunities and support that surround uh, around the individual. And then the motivation. We spoke about that earlier with you know, our kind of goal setting and how we would kind of uh, refine our goal setting process. So, you know, looking at the kind of intrinsic and in extrinsic uh, motivators that an individual has to kind of drive them to, to, to pursue this goal. So, you know, whatever the goal being, you know, weight loss or whatever, um, you know, for the individual I kind of break, you know, to run it through that kind of framework uh, and you know, look at where the kind of deficits are and what areas I need to kind of focus on. And you know, an important part of the kind of the behavior change process is to kind of intervene intensely on a single behavior. So rather than kind of overwhelming a client with, you know, you need to be kind of moving more, you need to be coming to the gym more, you need to be, you know, stopping snacking, um, you know, um, minimizing your intake of refined food, etc. Rather than throwing the whole book at them and trying to, you know, wholesale change the individual, you know, we need to dial in on a single behavior. Once we've kind of embedded that and been successful with that, then we can kind of move on to the next one.
0: So, as coaches i feel like i see a lot of them kind of come from like the physique bodybuilding world so it's just kind of like here's your meal plan here's your training program overnight and it's obviously quite drastic probably unnecessarily a little bit restrictive as well and we know that that doesn't necessarily do a good job of facilitating long-term behavioral change so for the coaches listening that have, like myself, more come from that, that world originally and maybe aren't doing things as well as we could in terms of uh, you know, having the right approach for our clients, what would you kind of say to, say to coaches listening that want to get a little bit better at understanding behavioural change and, and working with clients in that real world situation?
1: Um, so firstly, I would say, this is particularly relevant for, for, for your audience, um, that kind of physique prep mentality Um, is far more um, takes its toll far greater on females right and you know we we, we've spoken about uh, the menstrual cycle frequently through this session as i'm sure you do with you know a lot of your kind of sessions uh, your podcast Um, but you know these overly restrictive diet plans you know not to mention repetitive but you know overly restrictive uh calorically Uh, with, you know, excessive cardio output, um, you know, are very damaging to female health, right? And, you know, we need to be kind of mindful that, you know, our protocol, our intervention, uh, you know, doesn't result in, you know, females dropping their period, right? Because, you know, we spoke about kind of fertility earlier as a kind of uh, measurement of health. Um, You know, if our protocol you know causes a female to become infertile and you know lose her period you know then that's 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 problematic so you know if we are going to be working with women you know that's obviously something we want to kind of avoid you know at all costs um i suppose unless um you know we are working with uh you know physique athletes you know, female bodybuilders etc you know then obviously they will understand certain sacrifices Will you know will be made, and it's the same, I suppose, when dealing with you know male bodybuilders. But you know, just to kind of apply you know what's been done, you know that kind of dogma from that that kind of niche of fitness to general population is is a gross mistake, you know, in my in my opinion, right? And there's people you know coaches who you know produce amazing results, you know, in in that sphere. Cool. Um, you know I'm not 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 knocking that but you know my the kind of people I deal with you know people kind of based around here you know their kind of general population you know they have no aspirations to um, you know get on stage um, <coughs> you know flood their Instagram feeds with pictures of their abs and glutes etc you know that's not the kind of people I I work with right so my protocol as I kind of mentioned earlier um, you know, need to kind of be improving every aspect of their life rather than being kind of detrimental to it, you know, when you kind of, um, you know, take things to extremes, you know, there will be fallout, so we need to kind of avoid that. Um, <clears throat> so I guess back to, back to the, the kind of the question, um, how that can um, be navigated, I guess, I guess it's just about kind of, uh, you know, understanding, you know, the the specifics of the goal, you know, what it really is. And, you know, it it may not be um, as extreme as the kind of the the protocol that we're going to put together. So, you know, being putting health to the fore, um, you know, our calories need to be kind of reasonable and appropriate. Um, You know, the kind of food sources need to be kind of diverse and nutritious. Um, You know, that would be kind of my take on that.
0: Just kind of remembering that we work in the health and fitness industry, I guess, don't we? I think a lot of coaches are quite quick to install their goals on their clients, as opposed to really taking the time to understand what their client's saying to them and what their client's goals are.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, well, I think, but, um, you know, women, I suppose, are more kind of sensitive. Their bodies are more sensitive to those kind of extremes. So whilst you might be able to kind of push a man slightly harder and have less uh, you know, physiological fallout. I think women, you know, will, you know, drop drop periods, etc., and, you know, those kind of adverse effects, um, you know, felt much earlier at a, you know, a higher point, higher
0: threshold. What are some of those other things that you might be looking out for with a female client in particular that shows you maybe you're dieting a little too hard or they're doing a little bit too much training? Obviously, you've touched on the loss of cycle, but is there anything else uh, that coaches can look out for? Um, I mean, you know, you've
1: got the... Um, uh, you know, various mood scales uh, <clears throat> which, you know, can be as complicated as, as you want them to be. I mean, I think the thing that's, that's quite handy with uh, women is, you know, they've got a very kind of obvious marker of when they're kind of in a healthy state versus when they're not. Um, you know, for men, <clears throat> it's not such a, you know, obvious uh, one, but, you know, things like, um, you know, mood, energy, libido. Um, you know, all kind of markers of kind of health and, you know, the kind of the state physiological and psychological of the individual. So again, you know, if we were having this conversation about, you know, how do we coach men more effectively, you know, I'd be saying the same thing, you know, we need to be, you know, floating that conversation, you know, how are you, how are you doing? You know, how's your readiness to train? How's your libido? You know, we shouldn't be like, uh, uh, you know, afraid to kind of talk about these, to ask these questions within the context of the health of the individual. Um, So yeah, Um, we need to kind of check in on our clients and their kind of psychological health, as well as their physiological health, uh, you know, throughout the kind of process of training and weight loss, etc.
0: Yeah. Would you, what was, what's like the maybe one thing that you would love male PTs in particular to take from this when it comes to, when it comes down to working with female clients, like the one mistake you maybe see the most often or the one change that you'd love to see shift in the industry?
1: I mean, I guess, I guess we've you know, already touched on it and touched on it several times. I think the, the, the important thing that, you know, I'm trying to get across to the, the trainers that, you know, I'm kind of providing education for is the kind of the need to, um, to communicate with our clients better and, um, I mean, on a kind of deeper level rather than discussing succession. Um, or whatever was on TV, but you know I'm being flippant here. But um, you know, communicating with our clients on a kind of deeper level, and you know that that you know that takes um, you know bold steps on the part of the coach, um, you know, to kind of talk about you know we, we we've got clients that you know some of us have got like a great relationship with, but you know it's quite a kind of light surface. Uh, You know, and it's just an amicable relationship and fantastic and long may that continue. But sometimes under certain circumstances to help our clients better, you know, we need to kind of have a slightly deeper conversation with them around their kind of health.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. I think the reason for me I put that off for so many years was not wanting to ask questions or talk about things that I maybe didn't feel like I really knew that much about which in hindsight was a bit silly because you can ask the question and be curious about necessarily having the answers, right? You're just showing, okay, there might be something here that maybe I need to go away and look into.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't even think you, you even need to under, understand it all. Mm. Like... um I don't know if you've ever got a kind of sleep specialist on, 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 your, on your podcast. You know, I'm not a sleep specialist. But if someone's not sleeping well, I don't need to understand, the, you know, the architecture of sleep. I just need to know that, you know, they're, they're frazzled with, uh, you, know, <clears throat> uh, you know, it could be a combination of, you know, work stress, physiological stress from the gym or, you know, kind of a deficit, whatever it may be. The stuff I'm, I can control or the stuff that I'm kind of implementing, you know, I need to kind of dial back on them. So if an individual is stressed, you know, suffering from poor sleep, agitated, you know, low libido, you don't need to understand any of those things, really. You yeah. just need to kind of know that, you know, we're pushing them too hard. And it's, um, you know, again, we, we've kind of discussed, discussed this. Um, it, it's a dynamic process, right? It ebbs and flows. It fluctuates. So we need to be ready to kind of respond to that. You know, it's kind of like a dance on on our, on our part, huh? right? So, um, you know, by having these kind of this like kind of open like, open communication with our client, we know when we can kind of back down and move. So, you know, we spoke about the specific target. So, you know, if an individual has, fifteen thousand steps, but they're feeling a bit kind of you know. Uh, um, fatigued with it um you know stress etc you know we might maybe we need to kind of bring that down and make those adjustments bring that down their calories may be 16 1700 we're going to nudge that up to you know 1900 that that week if if we're you know working with um calorie targets which I'm not saying we should do but you know there we need to be ready to kind of make more adjustments more frequent adjustments to the training protocol
0: I love that you've said that. I think for me, I was probably, could have been having these conversations with clients a good two years sooner than I was if someone had just turned around and helped empower me to go, you do know enough, to, you, know, you don't need to be a specialist in the areas to, 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 you know, to, for these conversations to still be beneficial and for you to be able to take them into account as a coach. So I love that you've said that. Hopefully a lot of coaches will feel empowered to have conversations with their clients that they were previously putting off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, it, it, this, this is a great point that you've that you kind of made. Um, you know fantastic point Um you know if, if you and I are, are having this discussion now and, and the point we're getting across is you know you need to be this kind of like uber specialist you know you need to have a masters or a PhD or whatever before you kind of intervene in these things then that's kind of um you know a- alienating or kind of overwhelming these coaches that you know we're, we're trying to reach and that is not what we're trying to do right we're trying to empower the industry and make the industry a better place right push the needle forward so if we're kind of giving this uh you know elitist uh impression on the kind of knowledge that you need you know that's counterproductive so you know like you said you know any coach that kind of takes the time to kind of listen to a uh, podcast like yours Know, no doubt has that the, the, the information at their disposal you know it's just in order to be more effective we need to apply that information right uh, and I suppose that's the kind of the, the 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 kind of premise of my PhD is not that I need more information I mean it is it is a you know a search for information or creating new information pushing the boundaries of the information but the point of it is not that you know I need to know more about nutrition to be more effective in my interventions. I mean, that's the reverse is true, right? It's about p- applying what we already know. And and the you know the, the hardest part is not searching for or learning new information. It's it's being you know brave enough to offer this information and to have that line of communication.
0: Yeah, that's so great. I absolutely love that. You put that so perfectly. Um, let's touch a, a little bit on the, the getting the adherence to the nutrition and, and the weight loss. That's okay, Jason, because obviously that's something that you're going to you know be absolutely fantastic at doing your, doing your PhD in behavioural change. So if you're a coach listening and you feel like you are not really getting the results of your clients you want and they're, they're not really adhering to the plan, where would you kind of start troubleshooting that problem?
1: Okay, so um, we spoke about Capability, opportunity, and motivation. So we can kind of put that to one side. We spoke about um, intervening intensely on a kind of single behaviour. Um, so simplify the process, right? And you know that might sound quite flippant or quite obvious, but um, if I'm working with a client and I have expected you know, like uh, this is a mistake I've made many times, and my expect- expectation is right. Here's your, you know, age, weight, height, etc. Gender. Um, so you know, I'm going to put that into my little spreadsheet. You know, I'm going to um, work out what deficit I'm going to give you, and then here's your number. You know, it's 15, 16, 1700 calories. There's your, you know, your calories. Here's uh, you know how I'm partitioning, partitioning those calories. You know, proteins, carbohydrates, fats, etc. You know, here's your macros. Off you go, and um, you know, this is your new kind of protocol. Um, that's going to be challenging for anyone. It's going to be challenging for you know fitness professionals to kind of stick to, you know, I I probably wouldn't last a week by input and everything. It's just the wrong strategy. It just doesn't work for most people. That stuff should, you know, live in the kind of the physique world, right, where you're dealing with certain individuals, um, you know, who are kind of, uh, you know, more inclined to think that way you need to simplify something so some of the stuff some of the kind of recommendations or some of my kind of intro recommendations to <coughs> clients would be you know to limit um, uh, meal meal frequency right or limit snacking limit the opportunity for an individual to kind of consume calories so if someone is eating you know several times throughout the day I might cap that on you know three or four times per day so I can now track that um, with a kind of simple conversation with my client you know did you eat less than three times a day or did you eat less than four times a day yes no um, you know if I'm giving someone a food diary and expecting them to kind of met, you know input all that stuff I also need to be willing and able to then analyze that food diary just you know assess how effective that was and you know quite often you know the coach doesn't have the time or the inclination to do that the client doesn't have the time or inclination to do that so it's you know it's a fool's errand so keep things simple Keep things, you know, trackable, you know, so you can hold the client accountable to the protocol. So, you know, the first steps might be, you know, to address snacking behaviors, you know, or you know, eating frequently, or even something as simple as, you know, eating in the evening. You know, this can be something that can be very impactful. You know, if you kind of put a, you know, a deadline, you know, eight p.m. or seven p.m. or whatever it may be, you know, and you try not to eat after that that time um, you know you're limiting all those kind of calories that consumed in the evening which you know never really kind of positive calories right no one kind of whips up a salad at you know nine ten o'clock at night you know that's when the you know the the bottles of wine come out uh, you know ice cream chocolate bowls of cereal in my case Um, um, so you know you could you could introduce you know a very simple habit there where it's kind of almost binary you know did you or didn't you you know follow recommendation right you know and it's you know pre-agreed and you know, negotiate between the two of you um, or something like um, you know introducing step targets for an individual something you can kind of readily measure um, you know something that's kind of easy easy to measure as well as easy to do um, you know those would be my kind of first things that I would kind of my first approach and then you kind of layer it once kind of one habit's been kind of one behavior rather has being kind of embedded uh, you know then you can kind of add new ones into it. Um, you know, my, my journey into behavioural change um, began when you know I realized I was kind of um, you know, poorly poorly prepared to influence behaviors when when they needed to be done. You know, I might have the knowledge and we spoke about the kind of the difference between knowledge and application. You know I might have the knowledge through doing a master's in sport nutrition but you know if a client isn't willing slash able to to implement that you know I was I was stuck and this began when I was uh, you know during lockdown and I was working with an online client um, and um, you know there was some discrepancy shall we say on you know how many calories she was consuming what she was saying versus you know how little weight she was losing Um, so you know I thought um, you know what I'm my approach and it's logical it makes sense um, is I'm just going to break down you know Uh, All her behaviors, and then just kind of reintroduce them one at a time, you know, to kind of build a more, um, uh, you know, pattern that aligns with her goals. So, my first step was, you know, I'm going to get you to drink more water to make sure you're hydrated, you know, so you're not mistaking, you know, hung, sorry, thirst for hunger, um, and then, you know, eating on that impulse. So you know, she wasn't drinking any real water at that time, or any kind of significant amounts of water. So my first target was, um, you know, drink a liter of water per day. You know, given her uh, her size, three liters would be more appropriate. Anyway, you know, week after week, she pushed back. You know, I'm not drinking this water. You know, whatever reason, you know, it makes me go to the toilet too often. You know, there was a whole host of reasons why she couldn't drink this liter of water. And you know, I was stumped at the time. You know, I didn't didn't have the tools readily available to kind of influence her behaviours. So that's why, you know, I embarked on this journey. So, uh, you know, more even more complex behavioural nuances. Hopefully, I'll have the kind of the skills and the framework to be able to kind of uh, influence those to so now, a greater degree.
0: Now you've got the skills that you you do have. If this client was to sign up with you again today, what would you do differently?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so there are, you know, various kind of interventions, which can be applied to whatever goal uh, or behaviour you're trying to influence. You know, things like kind of information. So I'd provided her with more information to kind of persuade her, the the importance of, uh, you know, drinking water and why staying hydrated is important. Uh, you know the kind of coercion if you will so you know if you are kind of dehydrated you know this is how it kind of impacts you you know there may be some kind of adjustments I'd make to her kind of physical environment you know you and I are more likely to drink water now during this uh, podcast in this greenhouse uh, when there's you know a bottle of water handily you know next to us you know we can kind of make adjustments to her, her environment Um there would be things like that Um you know, maybe we have, uh, you know, um, a litre bottle uh, that she knows when her targets hit, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, kind of make various kind of adjustments to her to her environment. Um, yeah, if it's a slightly more complex goal, um, you know, try and recruit her colleagues or, you know, friends, family to kind of support her in that. You know, there may be kind of different adjustments to to you know, I'd make to try and support her. You know, working off the kind of bio... Psycho social model of behavior. So, looking at you know, biology, her psychology, you know, social environment.
0: Yeah, there's some really, really great tips there, isn't it? I think a lot of PTs take for granted we know drinking water is important, everyone knows drinking water is important, right? So, you just kind of, yeah, take that for granted and, and actually don't emphasize exactly that this can be a problem for people.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I often tell the story, you know, in the, in the first place I worked, um, you know, all my buddies were at the gym with me. Um, you know, we hung out with members at the gym. Um, and my little bubble was this kind of gym. So I think everyone, everyone works out, right. And everyone, you know, lives this kind of life. And, you know, the, the worst our diet goes is, you know, Nando's or whatever, um, but you know, the reality is, you know, people are kind of all ends of the kind of the spectrum, right? And it's it's, it's not, I suppose, judging people by our own, you know, behaviours or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's so important. Stay relatable and, and remember who we're talking to, and they're not always they're not always like us. Before we get into a little bit of a summary, is there anything else about kind of behavioural change or coaching clients in general that you feel like we've not touched on that you'd like to elaborate on a little bit for for the listeners?
1: I suppose my point I'd want to kind of um, conclude on regarding behaviour change is it's necessity, I suppose, as a kind of, um, as a, you know, something the industry needs to apply more. And, you know, and it makes it makes sense. But, you know, I think we kind of have fixated on, um, you know, perfecting the hard skills, you know, nutrition, biology, endocrinology, biomechanics, anatomy, you know, all that kind of cool, sexy stuff that's going to make us these kind of uber coaches. Um, And under the right circumstances with more kind of advanced populations, you know, sure, that stuff is going to be, you know, vital. But I think when we're dealing with gem pop, um, and this isn't female specific, this is just, you know, coaching clients, right? Um, We need to focus more on the soft skills or the human skills and kind of develop those, you know, with the same level of kind of attention um, and kind of structured feedback as we do, you know, these kind of hard skills. So, you know, learning how to communicate, Learning how to listen, um, you know, and the kind of behaviour change stuff that we've kind of discussed. So I think, as a, as an industry, I think it needs to kind of sh- maybe shift or pivot towards um, you know more kind of soft skills or more communication skills, human skills, or at the very least, kind of you know look to kind of bring those up to the same degree where mm-hmm. currently they are they are lacking. Because if you look at successful personal trainers, um, over time they've learned those hard skills um, and i think probably trainers are you know improving at a kind of more fa- you know a faster rate now um but those soft skills the communication skills the human skills are probably innate in most of them they haven't been kind of developed right so either they have them and you know confidence is also in there you know either they they are confident and they can communicate well or you know they just don't and they they, they they don't reach their potential because of that so I think you know if we kind of take a apply a growth mindset to that you know these are skills that we can you know develop in 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 anyone right we can teach anyone to be more confident uh, you know and to communicate better
0: yeah I think, yeah, I completely agree. I think that one of the mistakes I made was not investing in that side of things early enough in my coaching career and focusing more on nutrition and, and, and training, as she said, kind become of the sexiest stuff. So, I mean, that kind of leads us nicely into potentially recommending your own, obviously, page and, and resources. But if I'm a coach listening to this, I'm probably going to go, OK, that sounds awesome. Where maybe can I look to actually improve my soft skills, my communication, et cetera? Are there any resources you'd recommend, any courses? Um, yeah. Where would, you, where would you send people to improve those skills?
1: Um, I mean, you know, I'm doing a lot of work in that field um, in in Third Space where I work. So come and work at Third Space if you want to, you know, really perfect your 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 craft. Um, I, I mean, I, I would I would love to to give you a host of recommendations. I think that's kind of part of the point that I, I you know I I don't think it, it's out there. So I think that needs to be you know there are kind of people that kind of you know. Um, Uh, you know, trendsetters within the industry, you know, people like Phil Learning and so on, um, that's kind of, you know, we together, we kind of put on behaviour change workshops and stuff. But I think, you know, as as an industry, there needs to be individuals to kind of step up and, you know, begin to kind of fulfil that role or deliver that role to help the industry improve. Um, So um, I think, I think from, you you know, industry, you know, course perspective, it's lacking currently and you know there's a kind of gap there um you know there are kind of books and so on that we can kind of um you know you can get you know mindset um atomic habits you know those kind of things so perhaps you know kind of um, coaches need to kind of read more and kind of develop in that area
0: what do you think of the book motivational interviewing and health and fitness is that, is that a good starting point for people
1: I've got it on my uh, Audible, but I haven't actually listened okay. to it yet. Have you, have you read Yeah, it? yeah,
0: that was one of the ones that, uh you remember Dr. Gary, come back quite a while, and those are long, long time ago, uh, one of the books he, he recommended on behavioral change. So, yeah, it was, was a fairly good introduction to, to start. Okay. So, yeah. But yeah. yeah, no, I agree. There's not really many people out there pushing that message. Everyone wants to be like, I'm the sports nutritionist, I'm the anatomy and mechanics. Um, there isn't really many people kind
1: of yeah that, that doing that. So, yeah, I mean, like don't get. I I spent the weekend uh, with Michael Golden doing RTS, so you know, and it was it was incredible. RTS um, is great. Have you, have you done yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I've done it with Michael. Um, so yeah, you know, obviously, this stuff helps us to be better coaches, um, but I think being a good coach shouldn't. Um, shouldn't rely on you naturally being confident and able to communicate right i i, I wasn't that, uh, you know i didn't nat- i wasn't kind of naturally gifted in um human movement when i began as my career you know i had to learn that stuff right um, up to this point you know i've been good at communicating and had you know a certain sense of um you know self-belief right and it's kind of propelled me so far but for those that don't naturally have that you know we need to have um you know the tools to kind of develop those people you know from an industry perspective you know from a um you know, mentorship perspective you know we need to be able to take those individuals who you, you know who need to kind of develop in those areas and provide a framework for them to kind of grow and flourish and you know nurture them within that which i, I currently don't think it's kind
0: of there at the moment have you got any behavioural change workshops coming up
1: again in the future? Um, yeah, I should speak to Phil about that actually and do some more for the ACA. Um, yeah, I, I think I think one's overdue, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah I'd, it's been a long time since I've sat in a classroom with that as the objective, so I'd absolutely love to, love to come. To okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah speak, sure. speak to Phil and, yeah. and let me know. Amazing, um, Jason, thank you so much for that let's kind of wrap that up with a little bit of a summary if that's okay. Like what would you say are the main three to five points we covered today that a coach should go away and focus on? Or maybe if that's actually, as I said it, I realise a bit contradictory to the changing one behaviour at a time. So maybe what would you say is the one place most coaches would start and then just give me a little bit of a summary on the other key points if that's okay.
1: Yeah, so I think communication uh, between client and, uh, between coach and client is, you know, that's the kind of the take home I would say, or my kind of key point from from um, our, our chat today. Um, so it's it's I suppose understanding um, you know what's going on in our clients uh, you know lives, menstrual cycle, etc. Um, you know to a kind of deeper level than perhaps we currently do. And you know I appreciate that's not an easy uh, ask of the coaches, uh, but you know I think we need to be kind of you know more more brave in our kind of interactions with our, with our clients. And I suppose understand, you know, appreciate our, you know, just how much we can help or hinder um, our clients. Um, you know, we spoke about briefly kind of touched on kind of more um, health focused protocols, you know, and let's push out strong word, perhaps wrong word. Um, you know, look where we apply, um, you know, kind of bodybuilding style protocols to our clients and only apply that to kind of the relevant audiences, but kind of a gen pop, Um, you know, take a more human focused approach. Um, um, You know, appropriate calories, appropriate, um, you know, uh, cardio output, calorie output, um, you know, healthy, nutritious foods, um, being more responsive to our you know changes in our clients um, you know months right um, you know being willing to kind of adjust those calories adjust adjust that calorie output uh, you know being more kind of flexible in our um, training protocols that kind of stuff yeah and uh, waist to
0: hip ratio if you're not using that waist to hip ratio clients. yeah yeah
1: yeah so great I mean you know even something as I mean you know a waist ratio is, you know, is a good addition to um, you know if you're coaching male clients. You know there's kind of thresholds um, you know related to testosterone where um, you know if if you if your waist ratio exceeds a certain level, 102 centimeters, um, you know testosterone levels can be kind of compromised, and that waist ratio is actually um, more indicative than overall weight or um, or um, uh, it, you know that's the kind of the most um, applicable one, which actually, as, re- as I'm saying that, a point we haven't covered at all. Which, if you have time, yeah, yeah, go for just it. Just want to kind of de- delve into it. So we spoke about waist to hit ratio, and um, uh, you know, its important, its relevance, its indicative of uh, indicator of health. But also, we need to appreciate that for women, yeah, where women store fat is um, arguably more important for their health overall health than their overall fat mass so if women store a lot of weight around their abdomen in a kind of more male pattern you know that's more detrimental to their health so um, i suppose if we're going to look at female physiology and uh, you know take that kind of you know hard um, uh, you know anatomical approach which we just kind of was talking about um, you know, a deeper understanding of you know fat storage patterns would be kind of beneficial, and kind of understanding its role. So it's not just uh, you know total fat mass that is important. You know, it's where we store fat on on the on the body. So you know, again, a narrower waist would be indicative of you know a healthier healthier individual.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. I, I can't believe I got out of the habit of using that that um, yeah progress tracker marker with Kine. So. I'm excited to, to get that back in so yeah and there's also a
1: cool that. study right that's, that, that's interesting to your to your female population that looks at um, uh, postmenopausal women um, now when women um, go through the menopause um, estrogen levels rapidly drop as your you know audience will <clears throat> obviously know um, once estrogen levels drop or when estrogen levels drop uh, the ratio between testosterone and estrogen is kind of thrown out of whack to some degree. So, with this kind of higher level of circulated testosterone in, in females' bodies, um, they begin to store fat like men. So, that's when women store fat around their abdomen. <clears throat> and I had a, one client in particular that, you know, was doing everything right. Um, you know, her diet was kind of dialed in, she was exercising regularly, but we were struggling to kind of shift this kind of new weight that was accumulating, this new kind of fat that was accumulating around their, their, their abdomen. Um, <clears throat> so that's, I suppose, something that, you know, happens to, to women as they, you know, from a kind of physiological perspective, uh, from a kind of fat storage, fat patterning perspective um, as they age. <clears throat> and this study that I was kind of um, referencing showed that when these women began um, uh, HRT, So they had hormone replacement therapy and their estrogen levels were kind of brought back up to kind of where they uh, used to be. Fat redistributed itself without any kind of overall drop in fat. So the fat levels stayed the same, their body weight stayed the same, but their fat kind of redistributed itself on their body. So their their waist narrowed once again and the fat kind of uh, was kind of redirected. To the gluteofemoral region, so the, the you know hips and buttocks and thighs etc., which I thought was you know fascinating. Yeah. So we're not talking about weight loss or fat loss; we're just talking about a redistribution of that fat on the body.
0: Yeah, that's so fascinating. It's mad, Isn't right? It? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not really something we're seeing people talk about. So. No, no. I mean that. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I was kind of wow when I read that study. But yeah, I think just just kind of an awareness because you know I've been there and and it's kind of you know demonstrate you know just an ignorance on um you know i suppose people who should know better or people have been around a little while um that you know once women hit a certain age you know they're going to be more likely to suddenly begin storing fat around their midsection and this is you know um uh, frustrating slash upsetting you know women involved um and um you know there's there's there's, there's a physiological reason for this uh, and it's you know it, it's it's its it, it becomes challenging and uh, you know perhaps perhaps under those circumstances you know HRT is is the kind of the, the route to that um, or to kind of address that again this is something that you know we're now kind of straying into areas kind of beyond our pay grade but you know I think in the future that's going to be a conversation that people like you and I will need to have with, uh, with our clients and, you know, be signposting them, you know, providing information around that, um, you know, to kind of guide women, uh, to support them, um, you know, throughout their, their lives, right, you know, as they mature.
0: Yeah, I agree. No, I think that's brilliant because I think a lot of people there's still a little bit of a stigma around HRT, isn't there? A little bit of a cop out, and you know, not something they should consider. But as you've just identified, they are actually literally has quite a significant physiological importance.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they're, uh, uh the you know, it's not something you'd undertake lightly. It's not something that you know you or I should kind of be giving the, uh, you know, the final word on or whatever. But um, you could. Illustrate that you know you could with, with a reference or uh, demonstrate that you know under the, those kind of circumstances you know it can produce this kind of um, uh, you know beneficial uh, physiological or beneficial aesthetic benefit to it obviously it's prescribed uh, um, you know for psychological or you know physiological benefits health rather than aesthetics but uh, as it should be but um you know that's kind of one one uh, i suppose example of you know just the profound effect of hormones on the body yeah and we haven't even kind of spoken about you know menopause and uh, psychology and that's when you really need to speak to kind of katie morris and i'll kind of link you guys link you guys in but um you know, when you, you know that's, that's just one example. You know, I can give, give our examples about kind of testosterone. Um, so we need to kind of understand that there are kind of, you know, forces at work. Sounds a bit dramatic. But there are, you know, our, you know, uh, there are, our, our endocrinology can have a profound effect on our physiology and
0: psychology. Yeah, 100%. And, it, and if we're
1: oblivious to that, then, you know, wow, it's, it's, it's dangerous. Almost
0: yeah there's definitely a bit of work work to be done to kind of yeah, raise that standard of the industry but um I mean I can't think of a better place to to go and that master the craft than third space so um I guess if anyone's listening definitely check out and see if third space are hiring is, is going to be a brilliant place to start and and come and learn from Jason himself thank you thank you um where can people find out more about you um in terms of like yeah your content your resources where would you like to direct people to
1: um yeah just kind of add me on um on uh, Instagram, Jason Jackson PT. Um, you know, drop me a DM if you've got any questions. Uh, you know, and I kind of share a lot of the kind of stuff that we're covering in in you uh, know our education sessions. So you know, kind of sharing these studies and stuff like that. You know, when I kind of stumble across a cool study uh, in my research, you know, I like to kind of put that out there. So yeah, you can find me on there. Yeah, amazing. No, go and uh,
0: definitely go and follow Jason, everyone, because. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the mindset information that I see out there is is always not great. A lot of influencers have kind of jumped on that bandwagon trying to talk about it because it's become a bit popular to talk about habit formation and and behavioural change. But um, a lot of it's not always the best quality information, whereas what you put out is fantastic. So um, find a credible source and, and, and go and follow Jason. Yes, thank you. But would would you just on that quickly? Would would you say that's something you've seen as well? Do you agree with that? Like, are there people kind of going outside of that scope, talking about kind of habit formation and behavioural change?
1: No, no, I I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I've kind of seen anything that I particularly disagree with. Um, I think with behaviour change, we need to kind of move it from quite a um, a fluffy thing. Fluffy is the wrong word. You know, quite a kind of abstract, theoretical thing to making it practical. And that's, you know, what I'm trying to do to create, like, so you have the client um, who's struggling to, you know, to reach her goal. Um, what are the kind of literal steps? What is the framework that you would use? You know, whatever that goal is, you know, drinking less alcohol, um, you know, exercising more, you know, incorporate resistance training training upper body you know whatever it might be that you're trying to change in your in your client um, you know to have an actual framework that you know everyone can can implement right i suppose that's what i'm trying to do try- trying to make it much more kind of pragmatic and practical because you know we know behavior change is important uh, you know we know that can you know keeping clients motivated and so on is is important for the goal um but you know how do we what what are the kind of tools we use when you know when they're kind of pushing back
0: yeah brilliant. so
1: yeah uh, that's that's my kind of the, the goal of my research is to kind of make it um rather than it being abstract uh you know making it
0: pragmatic i look forward to see what else uh, comes out this year hopefully um from your your research your content and hopefully if we can get something in person i'd absolutely love to come and and uh, learn from from you in the behavioural change workshop in person so yeah definitely keep an eye out everyone and if one of those happens then uh, hopefully I'll see some of the, the viewers there.
1: Cool cool I can come down to you know one of your one of your gigs down in Worthing oh, or, or whatever yeah.
0: I'd be honoured mate. That would be something, yeah. Fantastic. Um, anything else you'd like to say just to finish up about what people can uh, look out for you this year in terms of any content or upcoming events you're putting on?
1: Um, well, I'm at Elevate on Thursday. Well, I don't know when this is going out, but yeah, I'm at Elevate on Thursday, um, doing doing a panel um, there um, around te- tech and trends in fitness, um, and then I suppose more importantly, um, work um along sharing a stage with uh, Danielle Frost and Katie Morris um, to do some stuff around male and female considerations. So that'd be cool. Um, and I suppose, yeah, there's just so much going on in third space, really, that's kind of got me, um, you know, I'm focusing keeping on that busy. right now. Yeah, yeah keep, keeping me busy. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, a lot of stuff going on. There's new clubs opening in Wimbledon, Battersea, Clapham, um, you know, interesting stuff happening here in the city. Um, more stuff going on in Canary Wharf around there, um, you know, so there's, there's kind of a lot going on, um, you know, trying, trying to you know, stay on top of my PhD and my research. Keep kind of nudging that forward. Um, so yeah,
0: busy man. Busy, yes, busy. There's a lot going yes. on. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think yeah, because that's this Thursday, isn't it? The fifteenth. Yes. Bit, yeah. You so, going to any of
1: them? Um,
0: no, it won't be there this Thursday. Um, unfortunately, um, but yeah, this will probably be out in the next couple of weeks. So that would have people, yeah, would have missed that. But I'll make sure I put that in my stories in a second when we upload some of the behind the scenes footage and and obviously get that out in real time, ready for this Thursday. Okay. All
1: right. Cool. Cool.
0: Jason, okay, thank you so much for joining me today, mate. That's an amazing conversation. That's the type of conversation I needed to listen to, seven, eight years ago. So yeah,
1: I yeah. That. I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it was great. You know, I, I, you know, wasn't sure what we were going to talk about really. Um, but I think it's, I think yeah, I think we covered. I think we, we, you know, we, we, we took it in a direction that it kind of needed to do, needed to. And you know, whilst I kind of didn't come here kind of like a pre. You know, pre-prepared spiel what I was going to say. I think we kind of got to the point where, um, yeah, you know, c- communication was our was our kind of key message. Um, and you know, from two guys here talking about women's health, I think that's 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 important in itself, right? That we're we're we sat here, you know, saying you know we give a shit about this. We're not just going to train women like little men. Um, you know, we under, understand there are differences. We certainly aren't claiming to, you know, be experts or specialists in, you know, every kind of nuance in female conditions. And that's that's okay, Right. We are not expecting uh, coaches to become experts just to kind of understand that um, there are complexities. uh, We need to be kind of flexible. We need to have empathy and we need to communicate.
0: Yeah, that's such an important point to, to round off and, and finish. But um, I absolutely love that. So yeah, thank you very much for, for remembering to put that on the end there because that's so key to give that kind of perspective of how we are having this conversation to a female audience.
1: Yeah, cool.
0: Amazing. Thank, thank you so much for joining me today, Jason. That was fantastic. I really appreciate your time, mate. And I look forward to getting this out to the viewers.
1: Thanks, buddy.